Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. You are listening to the Build Your Network podcast. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I am joined by my friend, Jordan Harbinger. Jordan, once referred to as the Larry King of podcasting, is a Wall Street lawyer turned talk show host, social dynamics expert, and entrepreneur. Jordan has always had an affinity for social influence, interpersonal dynamics, and social engineering, helping private companies test the security of their communication systems, and working with law enforcement agencies before he was even old enough to drive. Jordan spent several years abroad in Europe and the developing world, including South America, Eastern Europe, and the Middle East, and he speaks five languages. He's also worked for various governments and NGOs overseas, traveled through war zones, and been kidnapped not even once, but <laughs> twice. I'll tell you, the only reason he's still alive and kicking is because of his ability to talk his way into and out of just about any type of situation. And uh, guys, I can't wait to jump into a quick conversation with Jordan, always uh, having a good time texting him and, and keeping up on some industry things. So um, I can't wait to jump into this convo. But first, really quickly, if you are a podcast guest or a podcast host and you want to get booked on more shows or you want to book better guests for your show, then head over to guestio.com. That's guestio.com. 
We have an entire marketplace, a directory uh, full of top quality shows, top quality guests that you can get yourself booked onto. In fact, uh, our guest today, Jordan, is one of those guests that you can book over there and he donates his fee 100% to charity. So if you wanna, if you enjoy this conversation, you wanna book Jordan, then head over to guestio.com, find his profile and book him right over there. Jordan, what's up, bro? Welcome to the show. Hey man, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm stoked because there's so much going on in the podcasting space this, this week, seemingly. Yeah, like literally in the last 24 hours. <laughs> like I saw a press release last night about Apple Podcasts and I pulled up my phone to start reading the article about, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts is basically doing their own Patreon premium content subscription stuff now. And then like almost immediately after that, I got someone sent me an article about Facebook releasing audio rooms and messenger chats for like for their Facebook groups and for their messenger uh, group chats. And then also that they're going to have podcast discovery and podcast um, players inside of the actual Facebook app. So lots of stuff going on. Um, I'm curious what you think that might do to the quality of the shows that are out there. Yeah. Because I know you have some thoughts on that. I do. I mean, look, the where to start. I mean, if we start with the Facebook thing, that's the one I know probably the least about, but I've seen things like this before. But I will say as much as I distrust Facebook, I will say that anything that helps podcast discovery is awesome. The one place that podcasting is truly broken is in discovery because the only thing, you, the only way to find new shows is basically word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And then they say the second largest vector is social media, which is just word of mouth, but online. Yeah. And <laughs> so I, I don't even see those as like different. You know, when someone yeah, says, oh, I heard about like, it from it, a friend. Yeah, it's yeah. not like an online thing, like a, like you saw a viral clip of somebody's podcast and decided right. to go listen to it. It's like a, my friend asked everybody what your favorite podcasts are. Mm -hmm. And I went through the comments and found this one that seemed interesting. So I gave it a shot. You know, there's exactly. no predictable way of growing. Right, there's not, not really. And you can do like, ad spends, but they add up so much. I mean, you can spend $1,000 a day and you can be like, okay, that moved the needle, but it's not like making its money back in the first year even yeah. of the spend. So then it's like, do you take on investors for a freaking podcast? Not really. So <laughs> there's a big gap that Facebook could fill for discovery. The problem is now, I don't even know how many people of our generation are still using Facebook. I mean, I'm sure it's millions, but it's also kind of got a rep now as like my parents' social network, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, from the last data that I've been looking at, they're really pushing groups a bunch and uh, basically finding that the majority of their users are staying active in groups, which for me is true. Uh, the majority of my user activity is inside of Facebook groups now, and I think that that'll be an interesting feature that they bring up because from what I understand, they're like really trying to tackle a lot of problems in the space. So like they'll have podcast discovery and then you can follow podcasts on the platform, which probably means that you'll be able to do probably some sort of premium subscription tier through Facebook mm -hmm. or some sort of gated content or premium content, you know, behind a paywall or something like that, which makes things really interesting. Cause you know, what do you, do you know the, the latest stats on podcast listeners was it like a quarter billion or something like that? Podcast mm -hmm. listeners, 250, 300 million. I honestly don't know how many listeners there are. I know there are like 200, uh, sorry, there are 2 million podcasts, which doesn't tell us much because most, the vast majority of podcasts are like one episode, three right. episodes. Those are two years old each. They're not active. There's like a quarter million active shows, which means an episode that came out in the last, let's say 90 days. Right. So maybe close to 300,000. But for Facebook itself, 
it's going to be, t- I mean, it fragments the space because they're probably not going to use the RSS feeds, but you'll probably put your RSS feed into Facebook and have it right. chomp on your show and, and then make it playable in, in the, in the app. And hopefully they continue to bring in, you know, ability to advertise your show to people that are searching for shows. Cause that's the one thing I was yeah. I've always been shocked that Apple's never done. It's like, why, why wouldn't you have some sort of an advertising model where you could pay to put your show in like a visible spot in Apple podcasts to get it in front of listeners? You know, like it doesn't make any sense to me. And uh, it seems like Apple's like almost a little, like too little too late coming into the game. Now that Spotify is making huge moves and they have mm-hmm. been for the past like three years, you know, Apple's like, oh, maybe we should do something with that thing that we invented like 12 <laughs> years ago. Totally. You know I mean, yeah, the, the the paid subscription thing, as exciting as it is, should have been in the app probably like a decade ago. Yeah, literally. Right. I mean, so, you could buy. How, how long ago did you start? Two thousand and six. So yeah. pre pre first generation iPhone. Yeah, pre iPhone. Yeah, yeah, the iPhone came out like a year and change or something later on, or a year after. And I remember when they were like, "You can buy music in iTunes." For a dollar, you know, it was like a buck a song. Yeah, I'm like, right. oh, when do they average? When do they do this for podcasts so that we can have premium podcasts? And then, literally, like ten years later, they're like, hey, let's do this. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wow. I mean, Patreon is a multi billion dollar company that was founded yep. sort of to do this, you know, for for not just podcasts, but still. And there's all of these other companies and startups that are doing this that are now kind of screwed. But what the hell? I mean, they could have been taking thirty percent of a dollar per episode for. For yeah, for ten years, yeah, they, it, for, they could have the, made hundreds of millions of dollars off this by now. They're losing market share that they don't have to be losing. Is the weird thing like yeah, come on, like you guys literally invented this form of content. It didn't exist. You and mm-hmm. that's why it's called a podcast. Like right. you invented this form of media, and now other people are beating you at this game. That that's just negligence. Like you it just is, didn't it, see it opportunity. Is. Like how how did you not? How did you miss this? Yeah, I mean, some of it is it's such a big company. They saw it as it didn't drive any revenue because they didn't build in the premium thing. So then they assigned three people to freaking work there, like five to work in all of podcasting globally, pretty much, you know, like there's nobody there. It's also from insiders that I know at Apple, I don't know if this is still true and I don't want to badmouth Apple because I, I mean, they gave us this opportunity as negligent sure. as they were. Sure. You know, it's kind of like if you love your mom, but she's like always at work and never does anything for you. And you're like, well, still my mom, right? Like I kind of <laughs> feel that way about Apple. My mom's great. But the idea here that they missed the boat on this, ne- from insiders at Apple, I know that until recently, and again, it might still be that way, if you worked in podcasting at Apple, you were not going anywhere in the company. It was like you were given that job because you were new, you were given that job because they didn't know what else to do with you. Mm. And now I know people that have done things at Apple for years that are offered things like decent sounding positions in podcasting. And I'm like, oh my God, are you gonna take it? And they're like, no, this is like everybody at Apple is like, dude, don't take anything in podcasting. (laughs) This is where you go to die. Yeah, yeah, it's where you go to die. And I'm not, again, I'm trying not to be insulting here, but like, let's look at the people who were sort of the face of podcasting for Apple. Did they move up at Apple? No, they work for like a podcast startup now, Yeah, you know? And then they got replaced by somebody else. And that was a guy who loved podcasting, Steve Wilson, nice guy. But like he, he didn't move up at Apple and everybody else I know that's had a position in podcasting has either gotten out of it as soon as they could or left the company. That's not so a great weird. sign. So no, no, it seems like such an oversight as I know it's such a giant company, but they sit on so much cash. It mm-hmm. would not have taken much to make like 
if they would have put as much effort into that as Google put into YouTube, because this is around the same time period, yeah. right? Like podcasts came out and then YouTube came out and just destroyed any podcast sense of life. Yeah. Right. Like literally like YouTube creators became the thing, but podcasts could have easily been something very, very similar to that. If Apple would have like done something else with it, but yeah. they just didn't, didn't, it just, it's so Absolutely. confusing to me, bro. It is confusing. So confusing. Like, look, I understand the allure of video, but I, and I don't know what the revenue for YouTube was. It was probably like $13 billion or something last year. I, I actually have no idea. We should look that up. But yeah. the entire industry of podcasting was $1 billion. Wow. So what the hell happened there? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that's just the revenue from YouTube. It doesn't mean what all the creators made. The, sure. the revenue, the, the industry figures for podcasting include what creators made because that's the total amount of sales from all the ad networks put together. So there's not really much outside of that. Maybe there's a couple stray million dollars from like all of the Patreon subscriptions for every podcaster added together or like the merch sales, but there's nothing more than that. So yeah, in a way though, I think I'm lucky that that happened that way because if podcasting had become YouTube, would I be David Dobrik or would I be the forgotten person who like got there early but never made anything happen? I don't know. Like yeah, the, podcasting- the Charlie bit my finger type video. Yeah, was yeah. Like, my oh, Charlie remember that? Yeah, that guy. Ago. Oh, David at the dentist. Like, am I that? Yeah. Because since podcasting is a an ab, moving at an absolutely glacial pace, I've been able to build a really nice business off the back of that. Um, but had it moved faster, I might've just gotten eclipsed by like some Gen Z David Dobrik type who's like, nah, man, you got to blow shit up. And I'm like, damn it. You know, like, <laughs> oh, I didn't think about that. I didn't yeah. think about doing science projects in my backyard. Yeah. Like, like instead I just built slow skills over a long ass period of time, 14 years. Right. And now I'm like, oh, I'm really entrenched. It's hard to knock me out of the position that I'm in. But yeah, Facebook coming into it, it's going to open up new areas for new players, just like Facebook watch does like every big YouTuber that I know. Yeah. They also have their stuff on Facebook watch and they'll make like five or 10 grand a month from Facebook or 20 grand a month from Facebook, but they'll make like 80 grand a month from YouTube. Right. So it's always like a smaller platform that requires separate management and separate everything. And that may happen with podcasting, but I'm more excited about the idea that maybe there will be a way to drive people who are on Facebook, like you said, searching for shows like, hey, plays podcasts, great. Show them an ad for the Jordan Harbinger show. I'm bidding right. three bucks for new listeners and I'll get new listeners there all day, every day. Yep. Because I tried Facebook ads and then pushing them to like my website to listen to the podcast or pushing them to a podcast app and I was getting conversion for like seven bucks. I was like, nope, right. pull the cord on that. Yeah. Not worth it. But if they don't have to leave the platform, and then they've got like exactly. Facebook now boasts tw 20 million podcast plays per day. It's like, okay, now if 30 million people are playing podcasts on Facebook, you just got 5%, whatever market share overnight. Now yeah. I want to advertise in that app. And that app just happens to be Facebook. Because that's the thing to me is that uh, people who have been opposed to podcasting in terms of listenership in the past, usually it's because they just don't understand what it is or how to access it or right. like they don't understand that there's literally a preloaded app on their phone. You know, they're right. like, well, you know, I'll talk to some people like, oh, yeah, well, you know, how do I find podcasts? It's like, well, you know, the app on your phone that's called podcasts, you just open that up. But mm -hmm. they, ne again, never did any sort of education or teaching around the fact that they, that everybody has that in the palm of their hand. Sure. And so now I think what's going to happen is, you know, I, I, I don't know the actual stat. I, I want to say it's close to like 250, 300 million uh, podcast listeners uh, currently. But when you open that up to a platform that has over 2 billion users on it, 
that has to increase the total number of podcast listeners over the course of the next two, three, four, five years, especially if they make it an integral part of their platform. You know what I mean? Which to me uh, presents a really interesting opportunity where uh, that's why I'm, I'm encouraging people like, hey, if, you, if you've been thinking about it for a couple of years, you probably shouldn't wait too much longer because exactly. I think it's about to become extremely mainstream. And, uh, and you, like you think it's saturated now, but there's less than a million active podcasts. There's 35 million YouTube channels. There's like half a billion blogs. You know what I mean? There's, there's, mm -hmm. there's 12 million users on Clubhouse and it came out a year ago. You know, like Instagram, 2 billion, Facebook, 2 billion, YouTube. You know, there's just so, so much saturation on every other platform. So if that can't be your excuse. What's next? You know, not enough people listen to podcasts. Well, not anymore because the number one social media app in the entire world is going to make sure that people can discover podcasts. So now you don't have to open a podcast app or figure out how to use Stitcher or Spotify or find podcasts in those areas. You go to the place where you get all your content anyway, and yeah. it happens to be a feature that's in there as well. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm, I want to see where it goes. You know, I, I I don't do a lot of videos, so I don't even mess with Facebook Watch or any of that stuff. Yeah. But like I said, you know, it's, if it's 20%, 10% of the market for YouTubers, what happened? I mean, if it gets a similar market share for audio, then that's fantastic. That's right. really, really good. You know, 10% market share in podcast. Nobody, there are apps that have millions of dollars in funding that have like 0.1% market share in podcasting. It's impossible to get. So if you've right. got an entrenched competitor, or sorry, if you've got an entrenched player in the social media space and they're like, hey, we're doing podcasts, that's great news for the ecosystem. It's gonna bring in a lot of junk, but that wave is gonna sort of wash over and then people, especially when they go, oh, why don't we just do what we do, which is your friends also liked. And then it's like, hey, 300 of your friends are listening to the Jordan Harbinger show. They don't really talk about it, but we see this, you know, in their preferences and we're right. showing them this and they're following it there. And if they can add things to the user experience, then great. You know, that that whole thing is going to just be so great. I'm excited about that. You, you mentioned uh, Clubhouse before. There's something that I thought that everyone told me is going to kill podcasting or at least be a great channel for podcasting. And I resisted and was like, no, I hate it. And now I'm like, now I'm like just telling everyone I told you so as much as I can, because <laughs> rarely do I get a chance to do that. Yeah, it's funny because I remember uh, I reached out to you like the first week that I was on Clubhouse, the first and last week that I was on Clubhouse. And you're just basically basically just talking shit about it and saying mm -hmm. like, oh, it's not, it's not going to do anything. You know, there's not quality on it. And I was like, oh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And I'm like three days later, I was like, oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. There's, there's just almost zero quality, you know, conversations and good value that you're going to bring from spending literally hours of your time on a daily basis to be on there. And I think we're we're seeing that right now, man. The first two weeks of March, Clubhouse had over two million app installs. In the last couple of weeks in April, I think all of April total, they've had like six hundred and thirty thousand. So they're at like a sixty-five percent drop off month over month in growth. And I, I think that's exactly what happened: is that it got flooded with users because of FOMO, and uh, and then users got into it, and they were like, "Oh, this." This kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. Sucks. <laughs> they yeah. stopped logging into the app. Yeah, you know? I mean, I I mentioned to when people used to say, well, "What do you think about it? Is it going to kill podcasting?" I go, "Clubhouse is like a podcast that doesn't get recorded. Is recorded by everybody, you know, done by everybody on on AirPods. There are eight guests, none of whom are actually prepared to do any kind of like interview or qualified or, to talk. Right, nor qualified to talk. Yeah, and and then also it's invite only, so no one with an Android can join you." 
and it's all in real time. So if I want to listen later, I can't. I mean, there's just so many things wrong with it. And it's like, no, 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 live experiences, this and that. I'm like, live ex- Okay, maybe, but no, none of that ever materialized. Now you can record it, but you need like other software to do it. And right. and then they're like, oh yeah, well, Elon was on there talking to the CEO of Robinhood. And I was like, yeah, cool. Let me know when he does his next show. Never. Yeah. Right? <laughs> of course he's not going to do that. Kanye's on this week. Cool. Let me know when he does another podcast, uh, uh, another uh, clubhouse. Yeah. Never. You know, like you can't keep that kind of momentum going. And I'm like, if that is what you're basing your app success on, no thanks. And then I did a couple of appearances on Clubhouse from people that were like, I, it was either paid or it was like, I'm going to put this in my podcast so it's worth your time to do. Because I, yeah. I said no to everybody who asked uh, me to go on Clubhouse before. And because uh, I think it's a waste of time, like like we said, you know, it's not even able to be downloaded or heard by other people. And then I would, I, they'd be like, come into this room. It's one of the biggest rooms about XYZ subject. There'd be like 600 people in there. And I'd go, look, don't want to be a dick, but- why am I doing something for 600 people when I can talk into this mic right here at my leisure with no pants on and get hundreds of thousands of people or on a smaller show, at least get 10 X the amount of people, if not a hundred X or, or a thousand X the amount of people listening, why are you doing it? And there were a lot of people that should know better that are like marketers that do well, that told me things like, yeah, I spent 40 hours a week last week on yep. clubhouse. And I'm like, why did you make a hundred thousand dollars doing it? Cause if right. not, why are you doing this? You, you know, you've run a multi-million dollar business. Why are you giving yourself a job having conference calls? Yeah. Which is what <laughs> live conference is. calls, literally yeah. live conference calls that anybody can join that people not in your business can join. You're having conference calls with strangers. What are you doing? It was literally, so the, I, I think it was basically a bunch of people and, uh, and I don't even fault them for this. I, I applaud them actually for taking advantage of the opportunity, but there was a bunch of people who didn't have any traction anywhere else, but were some of the first few users in the app. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden they wake up one day, you know, after being on for three or four weeks and they have 84,000 followers mm-hmm. organically without any sort of paid traffic or spend or anything. And then it was, and then they're like, oh, wow, you know, I just became an influencer in right. three weeks. And then they go spread that word and everybody else wants to go, I want to be an influencer. And then they all flood to the same platform. The problem is, is that most people don't deserve to be influencers. Correct. <laughs> because yeah. they don't have any sort of value to add to people's lives. So like my, my producer, Eric, and I were talking about it. And uh, I, I liked what, what he said. He was like, um, he's like, yeah, podcasting is where you go when you want to listen and learn. And Clubhouse is where you go when you want to talk. Nailed and it. The problem is that there's not very many people that should be talking. And no. there's a lot of people that should be listening. And uh, and the the ratio is is not correct over on Clubhouse. It is so true. Like a, a lot of the things I saw when I looked at Clubhouse last May, because I got it and I was like, I don't understand why this is going to, they're like, no, 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 it's going to be a huge thing. This is May, 2020, right? So this is like early on. Yeah. Like two months, month, month or two after it came out. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I remember the conversations there were a hundred percent VCs and tech bros. And I was like, okay, it's good. If you're in that industry, I'm going to pass on this, but yeah, you could get like someone from a six, you know, Andreessen Horowitz in there and you could hear like tech bro talk. And I was like, all right. And it sort of started off that way. But then I checked in in like, I don't know, January. And it was like, the gazillionaire club. I'm not even exaggerating. It was a name like that. I hope I'm getting it wrong. So I'm not like blasting anyone, but I looked at the person running it and I looked them up and I was like, 
this is not a person that anyone has ever heard of. What are you yeah. talking about? All the other people that were on stage were like 19 years old. I was like, y'all don't have jobs. Right. You mean gazillionaire club. That's and why you can like, spend 50 hours a week in clubhouse. Exactly. And there were like real, learn how to do real estate stuff and whatever. And I'd get their names and I'd ask the bigger pockets guys. And I go, you ever heard of these guys? And they're like, they're the sketchy scammer guys that like don't do yeah. anything and like yeah. don't even own any property. They just sell info products. Or they'd be like, no, I've never heard of them. And if they're big in real estate and we haven't heard of them, well, well, then they're not big in real estate because these right. are the bigger pockets guys. Like, right. They yeah, know Brandon, who's who. Brandon's going to know. You yeah. Know, who, yeah, exactly. And what I, what I always loved was uh, all the real estate people who uh, they, they put like $10,000 into somebody's syndication one time. And then their mm -hmm. profile says like $112 million in assets under management. It's like, bro, right. you invested in one fund that's worth that much money. You put 10 grand into it. That's worth now $12,000. Chill out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know Calm I mean? down and sit down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, and, man. and I don't want to seem like I'm just like raining on new people's parade because I get sure. it. Like, look, if you started a podcast three months ago and you're like, I don't have any traction, I'm not hating on you for that. Sure. 100%. What I'm saying is y'all shouldn't be selling a podcast course, but you're probably right. not doing that. But people on Clubhouse, 90% are like, I'm going to teach you how to do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, exactly. you haven't done X, Y, Z. What are you talking about? And it's so become so rife with, with scams. And a lot of the guys behind the scenes at clubhouse were like, crap, we need to moderate all this scamminess. But then it was like, wait, we have X dollars. Are we going to spend 20% of that? 10% of that policing right. our own users right. and getting rid of our own evangelists? Like that doesn't seem wise. So they just didn't do it, which resulted in, everything you see there. And the, and of course the curation recommendation engine is just like, it needed work, right? So you yeah. show up in every room is a scam with 17 emojis in the title. And then you're like, if, unless you know what the room is that you're looking for, you can't even find anything. Right. And then it was like, there's no way for creators to monetize. So the only people that were actually making money off of it were people that were like, buy my branding course. I'm 11 years old. I have a branding <laughs> course, you know, it was like that shit. So I was like, okay, this is like the bull, um, I call it the bullshit industrial complex where it's like people take something that they didn't invent, that they don't do, that you're using it to make money. And then they create a whole co cohort of customers that are like, huh, I don't know how to make money doing this, but screw it. I'm just going to teach more people how to do it. So you end up like three layers of abstraction away from the person who actually knows what they're doing. Yeah, and right. nobody, and then everybody who comes in that has two brain cells to rub together is like not following this person's advice. So you end up with, the, the Craigslist, but like the class of like the not even Craigslist was useful. So Clubhouse <laughs> is even less useful than, than Craigslist ever was uh, at the bottom of it. Right. So you end up with yeah. like that missed connection section. I was like, this is not going to do it. So people telling me that was going to disrupt podcasting. I just like laughed in their face because I go, no, 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 no. That's like saying that since your kid can finger paint, his shit should be in the MoMA. <laughs> no, there's art. And creators, and then there's right. people who are just spitballing and seeing what sticks on the wall. The guy who threw a bowl of spaghetti on the wall is not Jackson Pollock, right? Yeah. Like there's a method to the madness. Yeah. So, and, and then one of the, one of the final straws for me too, bro, was I, so a few of my friends, you know, get on there and you probably are the same way that have 50, 60, 70, 80, 90,000 followers. And, uh, and then they would ask me to do a room with them. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So I jump on and, and it's me and this other person. And they have literally like 75, 80,000 followers, all, you know, organic built in the application. They're not fake. That doesn't even exist on that platform yet. You know, they're all real. And we get in a room together and there's 14 people in the room. Mm -hmm. and I was like, wait a second. Why would I care how many followers I have if they're not even going to see that I'm going to run a room? And right. that was when I was like, now it's officially not even worth it at all. 
Because before it was like, okay, if you can pick up a certain, you know, a number of organic new people, you know, then you can filter them into the things that work and use Clubhouse as like the lead gen source, right? Like, okay, we, let's filter them into my podcast now. Let's make sure we have calls to action in the room to bring people onto my email list. Let's get them into other ways to communicate with them. But at the end of the day, if none of them are going to show up into your rooms, then mm-hmm. what do you, what, like, what was it all even for? And it, it hurts my founder side, you know, cause I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of a software startup right now and we're raising capital and like all I, I only want startups to succeed because I know the uh, turmoil that happens on, on the inside yeah. of, of something like that. Uh, but at the same time, I, I'm, I'm glad that it's uh, starting to uh, dwindle a little bit because I, 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 I was wondering if I was crazy for like a couple of weeks, you know, yeah, everybody same. was still you know, praising it and praising it. I was like, am I, am I wrong about this? It doesn't feel like I am because it, I, I feel like I shouldn't, if this was that good, I feel like I shouldn't hate it as much as I do, <laughs> but I was like exactly. afraid to tell people like, nah, I, I hate it. It's not fun. I got, I got hated on for a long time in a lot of circles for being like, this is what's going to happen. It's a fad. But then Kara Swisher from New York times, who's like one of the most feared tech journalists in the world. She went on her podcast pivot, which I love. And she was like, this is a fad. There's nothing good here. Move along. Wow. And then people were like, nah, you're wrong. And then she's like, watch if it gets any traction, Facebook is going to kill it. Sure enough, Facebook's got rooms coming. So Facebook wins either way, right? This is a, this is a heads I win tails you lose for Facebook because right. what'll happen is they'll build rooms. They'll take market share away from clubhouse. And then if they don't kill clubhouse, they'll lower the value of Clubhouse to the point where they can then buy it and then absorb it into rooms. In other words, basically kill it or right. create a new app for, from it. And then if they create rooms and they don't get enough market share to completely kill Clubhouse, well, they've reduced the price of their acquisition anyways. Yeah. And the, the odds of them building rooms and then it doing nothing but Clubhouse still surviving is pretty much zero. Why would anybody want to do something on another app when Facebook, which already has 2 billion users is allowing people to do that. They'll just plug it into groups and it'll be over. And so that to me was like, okay. And then uh, Twitter's got spaces. Yep. So you you end up with immediate fragmentation, just as like you said, Clubhouse is losing users at what, 65% month on month? Yep. Like yep. not a good look. So th- they need to sell this thing yesterday. Yeah, exactly. And they, need to s- they need to sell it to Facebook. Because, yep. and, and Facebook's like, cool, we'll pay just, you what we think you're worth. Yep, just get out of it, man. Strike while the iron's hot. Like mm-hmm. take the take the W. Like, thank the social media gods for the amazing run that you had to bump up to 12 million users in a matter of like two or three months. Like, yes, good job. Well done. Take your $4 billion valuation and sell. Get out. Go do something yeah. else. You get know? out. Give your investors a win. Start a new company and then go get yep. a, a ton of funding anywhere you look. Have people kicking your door in to give you piles of money because you're the founder of Clubhouse and you had a $4 billion exit. So I never thought it was going to kill podcasting. That's why when people say Facebook's getting into podcasting, I'm like, yes, everything that's been added to the podcasting industry, pretty much without exception, has been good for the industry because it's very hard to pollute the podcast industry. Even when you have free hosting, like you have Anchor come in and they're like, hey, record podcasts on, you know, a a potato in your kitchen. And it sounds (laughs) terrible. They still got so many new people into podcasting that I was like, hey, yeah. Anchor can't hate you on this. You know, then right. they, get, they sell to Spotify. Spotify gets interested, comes into the space, spends a bunch of money, brings a whole bunch of new listeners into the space. So and creators. And creators, yeah. So we're growing and growing and growing as an industry in a really, really nice way. Tons of money, tons of new creators, tons of new talent, but not in a way where 
not in a way where things get out of control and it turns into, oh my God, everybody with a podcast is just like this insufferable internet marketer. Those people give up because it's exactly. actually so hard to create in the space of podcasting. It's easy enough for people who love to create to create something good, but it's hard enough that scammers come in and they go, this is stupid. I'm going to Clubhouse, going to, you know, back to social media, back to grifting on YouTube and running YouTube ads. Like the, the scammers don't survive in podcasting because it requires too much work. Yeah. But creators who want to do the work are welcome and they do well in the space. Yeah, that's that, that's exactly what, what I was going to bring up is it seems like the quality in podcasting just it's like a natural weeding out of the bad people because you're just yeah. not going to just not going to keep doing it it's just not worth your time and you can't outsource it to your team right right like you, no. you can't yeah. you can't like you know literally bro and i'm you're, you're probably the same way all my social media is run by somebody on my team mm -hmm. you know what i mean like the, they yeah. do all of the stuff for me so most of the time when people see me post it's it's not me it's somebody on my team and there's a caption written by somebody on my team and it's obviously doing their best to be in my voice and it's somebody that's worked with me for three plus years and i approve them and stuff like that but it's still not me when i'm on a podcast like this I have to be here. Right. Like, I can't be here and somewhere else. Like I can't outsource what I'm doing right now. It has to be me. You know what I mean? I feel like that intimacy that it brings is a big plus for it. And then the uh, the self-policing that happens on the platform because of just the, the, the barrier to entry um, is, is a little bit higher, I think, than other platforms. Yeah, I agree. I, I call it the great equalizer sort of tongue in cheek because Spotify or whoever, I don't even want to pick on them because they're good for this space, but let's say some big company comes in and goes, yeah, we're paying this comedian $10 million and she's going to do three seasons of an exclusive podcast for us. And then they release it and they go, oh my God, this is bombing. <laughs> what is going on? We gave her you know, $2 million for season one. We put $500,000 into marketing we're negative 80% on ROI, like what the hell? And then some schmucky schmuck like me who's been doing it for a decade and change <laughs> comes along and is like, hey guys, didn't have my regular microphone today, just sort of borrowed a friend's USB thing and I'm in a hotel and so it's a little echoey. Anyway, really interesting conversation here with this human rights activist and they're, it's like, cool, cha-ching, advertisers yep. are happy, sponsors exactly. are happy, show growth, 4,000, you know, listeners, whatever, month on month. And it's like, what happened? And what happened is nobody gives a crap if you injected a bunch of money and then threw a celebrity who's not good at hosting a radio show, which is what podcasting is. Exactly. And then said, hey, broadcast this to your social media followers. Because yeah, you might be a big name celebrity that, that has a big social media following. You start a podcast, expect 0.1% conversion. Just yeah. if you're lucky, right? right? Maybe you get 1% of your entire following right. to look at your show and then like 0.1% stays on to episode two, three, and four. So you have to have tens of millions of people on other social channels just to get like a tiny amount, just to get you out of bed to create the amount, uh, uh, to the, create the content that results in a positive ROI for you in podcasting. But then some dude who like knows how to speak well about, Eastern philosophy or the Soviet yeah. Union starts a podcast and everyone's like, wow, this is so good. And they go and they, he has a million dollar business. Yeah. You have a Sam Harris. You have a Sam Harris. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have a Lex Friedman who comes in and goes, let me talk about neuroscience in a very monotone way, not marketing it. Yeah. 
just get my friends on. And then it's like immediate seven figure revenues, immediate. I put that in quotes. Cause of course he's been working for sure. years, sure. but like seven figure revenue stream, that guy makes more money. And, and we make more money with our show than like the Anchorman podcast with Will Ferrell. <laughs> What's going on there? What's going on right. there is podcasting. Great equal. Nobody's paying me to be an anchorman four or whatever, if that exists. They're paying Will Ferrell like 30 million probably to be in that. Right. I will never get that. But when he starts a podcast, now he's in my house and he's like, what the hell? This thing isn't working. And his whole yeah. network is just confused and bleeds money out because it's ROI negative. But good stuff in podcasting slowly but surely gains ground over time and makes a lot of money and has really loyal fan bases. And you can't say that for any other platform. YouTube doesn't have that. You do have loyalty, but man, if you piss off the algorithm gods, you are effed, yeah, right? right? You are totally screwed. Or if you do something that has a ton of listeners, but YouTube's like, eh, it's kind of controversial, you get demonetized. Well, right. I hope you have other sponsors. Or deplatformed. That, yeah, yeah, you get deplatformed. With podcasting, it's decentralized. You get outside sponsors. I'm not reliant on like some sort of algorithm to get me discovered, which is both good and bad. Sure. Um, which is why I'm excited. I'm excited for algorithmic discovery. But since we've all had to survive without it for 15 years, we have succeeded without it. So anything that turns on algorithmic discovery is going to make all of us bigger and better as a right. result. More fuel so, on the fire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But with 15 years of prep time. <laughs> yeah. But with 15 years of prep time. Exactly. Yeah. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So I'm curious, I'm curious to hear what you think about the ability to do interview shows the way that obviously, you know, you're one of the best in the game when it comes to just straight up long form interview content on a podcast. When you look at some of the most successful 
network plays that have existed, right? So you look at Wondery or Gimlet, you know, I think Wondery was the one that was just acquired by Amazon. Gimlet yeah. was acquired by Spotify. You have uh, Dave Portnoy with Bar- with uh, Barstool Sports now. It's a half a billion dollar company. And these are just, you know, they're networks that are creating original content. But the majority of the shows that exist on those aren't necessarily like talk show format. They're more like true crime and story-based you know, limited season runs and stuff like that. Where, where do you see interview shows fitting in or the talk show kind of radio show format fitting in in the future, you know, when, when, when you're competing with a bunch of those, of those other shows? Because it seems to me that that's still going to win out in the long run, maybe because of the evergreen side of it or the fact that you can produce unlimited seasons or episodes. Yeah. It's tough for people who are just starting and trying to do an interview show. Like, I'll give you that. It it doesn't mean it's impossible by any stretch, especially if you have a good niche. Like, if you're interviewing pet store owners and you're like, best business practices for pet shops, you're going to have a great niche there. But, like, to do something like the Jordan Harbinger show where I'm like, yeah, mafia enforcer, neuroscientist, drug smuggler, military general, like, that's going to become tougher and tougher and tougher. And the reason is because you're right. Like, I, I look at my traffic and I go, wow, I, you know, we're really grateful that we built up to this. And then I'll look at somebody else on my network on podcast one and I'll go, Hey, when did this true crime show start? Oh, three years ago. How many listeners do they have? What? How is that possible? It's like the same size as my show. And I'm just shocked and like, kind of like, how did I not think of it? But the, cause you can basically do, you can do like acceptable true crime and you will get a huge ass, relatively speaking audience if you just don't like completely blow it and you kind of have like some marketing chops to get the word out even a little at a basic level, you'll do great. The problem is when you get networks like Wondery creating shows like Dr. Death or Audio Chuck doing OC Swingers, those cost legit like $300,000, $400,000 to create. Mm. And if you- Just to create. Just to create. any marketing or No marketing, nothing. And that's with an experienced network machinery behind it. If you're indie, you just can't do that because you don't have the money. But even if you did, you'd still have to market it and do all this other stuff yourself, which nobody can do. So let's assume that you are a network and you make a show and it's $400,000. Great. But now you have 12 episodes, maybe a little bit more like bonus content. Okay. So if you do the math on that, in fact, let's actually do the math on that. So let's say that you've got a show that cost $400,000 to make. So I'm going to put in my little calculator here, $400,000, because that's your break-even point, mm-hmm. right? And let's say that you se- you sell it at a $25 CPM, which is like the market rate. That's mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. you might get a little more, probably not going to end up getting that, but you know, that much more. It's going to average out to about 25 bucks. Now you need 16 million impressions right? To, to break even. Well, you're not going to have one episode with 16 million, but let's say that you have 12 episodes. Divide 16 million by 12. You need 1.3 million downloads per episode to break even. To make your money back. Yeah. On that show. The top 1% of podcasts is something like just under, let's say, 40,000 downloads. So you need to be in like the 0.0001% of all podcasts in terms of traffic in order to break even. But wait, there's more. Since you're airing that stuff, you have to pre-sell the ads. So you have to go to a sponsor and go, we're really sure that we're going to get that many impressions. (laughs) And they have to go, here you go, at the risk of them possibly losing their own money uh, doing that because they have to prepay. And that's if you don't want to lose money. And that doesn't count your marketing expenses. So what the hell? So what that means is, 
I know what the question is, which is, well, how are those companies making money? And the answer is, they're not. They are running <laughs> in the red. They are burning investor cash. They're creating these really great true crime shows. And then they buy, they, you know, Wondery burns a bunch of investor cash, goes into Amazon, sells for $200 million, plus they have to pay their investors off who put in $50 million or whatever. Right. I'm just <clears> speculating, <throat> but it's a lot. And then they have to go and turn around and sell those true crime shows as screenplays to studios because they're like, hey, we're holding the bag for a lot right. of IP. Can you give us a million dollars for this one because it did really well? And then, you know, Warner Brothers goes, yeah, we want that one, but we don't want the other 12. And they go, eh, oh, well, guess we lost money on that. But they made money finally off of the one. And so it's almost a VC play, basically. Right, it's like an exactly. IP VC play. But the, the idea is indie creators can theoretically make money on true crime. But dude, I read a book. It takes me two days. I interview the person who wrote that book, or I watch a documentary and do a bunch of reading. It takes an afternoon or, or a day. I do an interview with that person. I can do that three times a week before I'm like, hey, I'm kind of busy and overworked. I can do that three times a week 145 times a year, 144 times a year. And each of those episodes is making as much money as those companies have to make with their true crime shows. Except right. my show costs $150,000, $200,000 a year to make 144 episodes. They're spending twice that to make 12. So I'm literally like their costs, I'm the square root of their costs, right? right? or the squared number, I should say, of their episodes at half the cost. So yeah. it's not, the economics are like crazy. The difference is not everyone can do an interview show like the Jordan Harbinger show and then end up on top of the profit pile. Like this is me winning the podcast lottery, Sure, but I've also been playing for 14 years. Yeah, I mean, you started when there, do you know how many shows were ex in existence when you started? Under a thousand. And yeah. I remember that because some blogger who was like really into podcast, I think it was like Leo Laporte this week in tech, who was like an early, early podcaster. He said something like, there are over a thousand podcasts now as of re And I remember that, but I heard that after I'd started and it was probably six months later and I go, wow, a thousand, no one's going to find my show now. It's going to like be like possible. <laughs> it's too saturated. It's too yeah. saturated. Now it's like <laughs> 3 million or 2 million or whatever, right? So if somebody listening does want to go do an interview show, right? Cause I, so I tell people all the time and I know that's probably goes a little bit against what, what you tell people, because I know that you're, uh, you're somebody that's very much focused on the quality of the industry and the quality of the show. I tell, especially entrepreneurs, business owners that you 100% should have a podcast, even if you're not planning on turning it into millions of downloads or sponsorship revenue or your own business, just because of the relationships that you build with the people that you can interview on a podcast. There's something magical about asking somebody to come on a podcast. Like yeah. it, get, it gets your foot in the door in places and with people that you would have, that you would have no inkling would even give you the time of day. And then they'll say yes at the drop of a hat to come on a podcast episode and, and, and shoot the shit about nothing for, mm -hmm. you know, a half hour with you. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I, I try to make sure that I'm really transparent about the value. Like I, I think the only look, Yes, it's great for networking. The problem arises, and I'm not saying you do this, but the problem arises when someone says, yeah, I've got a million downloads. And they mean they mean over the last seven years and that there's like 80 people listening and they're misleading the guest into being like, wow, this is a big media opportunity for me. They hire hair and makeup and they buy a new microphone to plug into their computer and they 
soundproof their thing and they cancel the piano recital that they were going to go see that their nephew is going to play in and they do your podcast and it doesn't do anything for their business. It makes all of podcasting look bad. But if people just go like, Hey, look, I'm I'm doing a podcast, 300, 200 people listen to each one, but I love your story about being a single mom who started a business out of her garage. Like, would you do my podcast? And the person's like, yeah, I mean, 300 people, some of whom might buy my custom acrylic nails. Like, yeah, why not? Right. That's yeah. harmless. It's just the the whole like self grandi what do you call it? Self-aggrandizing, like grandiose stuff where you're exaggerating mm-hmm. that makes the industry look bad. But th- that's in every industry, yeah, right? right? Every right. industry that has people that are making themselves, that are lying about what they can offer, it, it, it's bad. I just feel like a lot of podcasters kind of do that unintentionally because they don't understand their own metrics and some intentionally. So I say like, look, if you're a business owner and the idea appeals to you, you should. But if you think you have to because your friends told you to be on Clubhouse, so you're not have to be on Clubhouse, you don't have to have a podcast because your friends have podcasts. It's not like a website. You need a website for your business because everybody expects to find you on the internet. You don't need a podcast for your business. And I've saved a lot of people a lot of time and headache because they'll go, all right, I need a podcast because I'm a financial planner. And I go, wait, let me pause you right there. Why do you need one? Oh man, a lot of people are telling me I need one. Do you want to do one? Not really. I don't have any time. And I also have kids. Don't do one. It's not going to do anything for you. You might get one or two leads out of it. And they're like, yeah, I'm already pretty busy. Then don't freaking do a podcast. You don't want to do it. You don't really need the benefit that may or may not ever come as a result. And you're not sure what you're going to do. Like, nah, worst idea ever. But if you just think it's a really fun idea and you're like, I'll do it even if no one listens, but ideally right. somebody does. I, I don't even say no one because no one wants to do something that nobody hears. If you would do it for 100 people, yeah, then do it. But if you do it and you think, no, no, I'm going to make a million dollars a year off my podcast because I'm so awesome, you're delusional. Like statistically speaking, I can say with some authority that you are wrong. Now, right. I might be wrong, but I'm... I'm wrong like I might get struck by lightning after walking out my front door. Yeah. You're wrong like the grass is growing in my backyard, right? So like <laughs> like there's a difference in certainty between those two things. So, and I started my show thinking, this is fun. It's kind of like radio, only I can do it whenever I want. And then I was yeah. a lawyer and then I left and I was like, I love doing this, it's awesome. And then I did Sirius XM satellite radio for years while doing my podcast and I was like, this podcast thing might have legs, but either way, it's still like me doing the radio show and I can kind of do that. And now it's obvious that there's wins in podcasting, but there are a lot of people I know that are huge talents in the radio space and they go, oh, I'm just gonna do a podcast. And they're like, yo, Jordan, why was I getting hundreds of thousands of listeners on the radio and now I have like 1,000 people listening to my show and the number's going down? And the answer is because when you're on radio, your audience is captive. And when you are in podcasts, they have to come and find you. That is a world of difference. You know, if your audience on the radio is everyone listening at 4 p.m. on Friday to channel 106.7, that's a lot of people. But if your audience has to then go Google you, find out where you are, look you up in an app, you know, and download the show, now it's only your super fans. That's why radio CPMs are like, fractions of a cent or whatever mm, and yeah. youtube same thing like people go oh how many how you you have a show with uh let's say two hundred thousand listeners for the sake of easy math what are you making from that and you tell them and they go what because they have a million views and they're not making that that amount of money and mm. they're like i don't understand youtube cpms are like two dollars and 35 cents per thousand views yeah right. sometimes a little more 
podcasts are like 25 to 35 bucks per thousand downloads, sometimes a little more. And it's like, wait, why? Because on YouTube, I'm sitting there eating a sandwich and your thing pops up next to my feed and I catch an ad. On a podcast, I'm listening in the freaking shower because that's when I have time to listen and I love yeah. Pivot or I love the Jordan Harbinger show or I love Build Your Network. So I'm a real fan. If you talk about something you like, I'm like Googling it, finding out where it is, using your code. If I see it in a YouTube ad, I don't even remember it. Right. And I'm annoyed that I saw the ad. It feels more it wasn't like the TV. creator. Yeah, yeah, it's more like TV. It's annoying. Podcast ads, I can do something funny as a creator. Right. And I, I, I'll have brands go, well, we didn't like it, but it converted better than any other ad. Like I did a diamond company ad. I won't say which one because they were pissed. And I said... <laughs> If you like, if you like, if you want to try something sparkly this Valentine's Day, try methamphetamine. And they were like, what the hell? We're not paying you. This is BS. And then a month later, they were like, so we want to renew the campaign because that ad crushed it. And we had tons of people buy shit from you. Um, please don't mention drugs. And then they renewed the campaign. I did a bunch of ads, didn't mention meth. And they were like, so the conversion went down. And I'm like, you have to let me talk to my audience. That's the whole point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the exactly. whole point. So now there's like a marketing person who's like, can you do something that's kind of edgy, but doesn't actually say meth? And I'm like, I'll work on it. Right. Like I'll figure <laughs> it out. But you can't really do that with other creation platforms because right. there's terms on the platform. Like try making a YouTube ad that jokingly tells somebody to do meth. Right. Not going to fly. Like it might fly on one channel on one video. You can't run that on the platform. Yeah. You know, it's not allowed. So podcasting is so far superior in that way. The problem is scale. But look, man, Facebook, Spotify, those big companies joining the platform or joining the fray, joining the industry, we might see 10X scale, at which point it's like, we'll do the follow-up to this episode on my yacht. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, that would be a really great day for a lot of people, yeah. um, myself included, uh, that, uh, that would be able to piggyback on some of that, some of that success as if, if Facebook actually does it. You know, they, there's pros and cons to, to those giant companies like that, obviously, which is a completely different debate. But there are some definite pros for the podcasting space because I mm -hmm. think it helps solve some real problems that we've been experiencing for, uh, you've been experiencing for a long time. I'm, I've been experiencing for the last few years uh, mm -hmm. myself. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see, Me see, too. What, see what comes out of it, uh, see, see what, um, uh, what innovations and things like that. Uh, come to the to the platform and to the industry. So I um, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know you're super busy, so I'll let you get back to uh, to to what you got going on. Um, and then uh, before we before we take off here, if you're listening to this right now, please do me a favor. Stop whatever you're doing. Open up the podcast app that you're listening in. Search Jordan Harbinger. You can probably just search Jordan, and his name will pop up because uh, <laughs> he's uh, one of Apple's. Uh, top recommended shows. And uh, he's uh, got one of the best interview shows in all of iTunes. There were three or four shows that I listened to from the very beginning that I started listening to podcasts. And I only continue to listen to two of them. And Jordan is one of them. So sweet. Um, when I tell you guys that uh, when, I, when I give you this recommendation, it's not just because Jordan's on my show. It's because I think that he's putting out some of the best interview content in all of iTunes, and I recommend you go check it out. So um, go search The Jordan Harbinger Show, subscribe, give it a listen. I promise you will not regret it. Jordan, always, always fun to have you on, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. 
Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.